0: Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. Just a couple of quick announcements before we begin. First, I would like to give a big thank you to everyone who listened to last week's Friday episode about Stephen Avery and making a murderer. I was responding to a book called Illusion of Justice, written by Jerry Buting, who was one of the former attorneys for Stephen Avery, who, as I said, was made famous by the Netflix docuseries... Making a Murderer, and it explores the 2005 death of Teresa Hallback, and there are now numerous episodes about that case here on this channel, because every Friday isn't anything goes where any subject is fair game. But on the Wednesday episodes, recently I was doing a series about the Phantom Killer, an unidentified serial killer from 1946, and that series will be winding down. And the Wednesday show will be soon devoted to a multi-part discussion on the New Orleans Axeman, another unidentified serial killer legend who operated in the second decade during our first century, um, the first century. No, that's probably not, probably not the best way of putting it. During the first part of the twentieth century, really, it's the nineteen teens that we see the story of the Axeman. And there is also a lot of parallelisms between the Axeman and the Zodiac Killer, but even more so with Jack the Ripper. And I think there's a lot of intersectional activity going on between these four serial killers. So please look out for that future um, discussion here on this channel. And as always, you can like and subscribe. It really helps everything out. And another great way to help is to go over to buymeacoffee.com slash 88 There's a link to that in the description box. That allows you to make a donation or a contribution to help support all of these efforts. And any donations or contributions will be used for things such as purchasing equipment for the show or buying true crime books to talk to you guys about. One more time, buymeacoffee.com slash 88 and all contributors will get a shout-out on Zodiac Monday. But I do have to begin with a piece of true crime news that is from a different part of the world. And that's because last year on the channel, I talked about the Artesia Jane Doe. I used this story to begin a Zodiac Monday. It was called Zodiac Killer Randy Kenny Theory, where I was discussing Louis Myers as a Zodiac suspect. Myers was brought forward by his friend Randy Kenny, who claimed he had a deathbed confession from Louis Myers, stating that he was the Zodiac Killer but I was simply just making an announcement, because I thought that you guys who follow the Zodiac case would have some good insights into the story of the Artesia Jane Doe, and and I was reading a lot of comments from you guys on other episodes about the Zodiac killer, and I thought that a lot of you would be able to provide some remarks or responses about a particular clue in the death of the Artesia Jane Doe, and that is that This young woman, they weren't even sure of her age at the time, was found in the desert of Arizona wearing a black robe, and it just seemed so odd. I mean, she's not in a town, she wasn't found near a vehicle, there's just a woman who is found dead wearing this black robe in the desert, and she was given the name Artesia Jane Doe. And the, the the two leading theories that people had at the time were that was this a murder that was done for a ceremonial purpose? Was she wearing a ceremonial robe, and she was killed because of an occult connection? And the second leading theory was that her body was found in early October. So was um this something Halloween related? Was this part of a Halloween costume? Granted, it was early October, not actually around the date of Halloween, but October all the same. Before um, I say anything else, I would just want to give us the reminder that when we follow the true crime cases on this channel or anywhere else, we always want the truth. But sometimes the truth is even more shocking and more horrific and more saddening than some of the far-out explanations that people have. The Artesia Jane Doe has been identified as Cadence Langley, and they were had, they had a lot of difficulty determining her age but they have determined that cadence was 14 years old now why was she found dead in the middle of the desert wearing a black robe cadence had autism and her mother did not declare her missing for the 2 years that it um took to identify her and her Mother is currently in custody now, awaiting trial. And that one thing that was not revealed at the time of my last um, announcement about the Artesia Jane Doe is that Cadence um, died because of a gunshot wound to the head. And now there are two new competing theories for what happened. The first is that her mother murdered her so she could continue to claim the benefits that Cadence was receiving because of disability, and she didn't want to take care of her daughter anymore, and then the alternative possibility is that she didn't actually commit the murder herself, but she put Cadence in the custody of somebody else illegally, and that person was responsible for the murder, meaning that the murder wasn't necessarily planned by Cadence's mother. However, that person ultimately committed the act of foul play unbeknownst to her. In both situations, she would definitely be spending a lot of time behind bars because she either committed the murder herself or she set her daughter up for a very, um, a very very heinous ending, meaning that there was a lot of negligent activity on her part, but almost certainly you'd think that she'd have to have been an active participant if she didn't declare her daughter missing for two years and was claiming the benefits, and you might be wondering how much money did that total in these two years? Around $5,700, and that's just why people are just so unbelievably heartbroken responding to that, because did a mother murder her own daughter for $5,700 and just let, left her out in the desert, maybe thinking that no one would find her for a while. Sometimes the true crime world leads us to some very dark and twisted um, conclusions, and you often find that there is uh, something that is just absolutely saddening, not about any of these things, like, it was it an occult ritual? Was there some accident at a Halloween party? No, human beings can be extremely cruel to one another. But with the Zodiac Killer Mystery, first I would like to respond to some of your questions and comments, because I received a few that were sent in to uh, both the email address and the Facebook page. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com, and you can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And I would like to start with a message that was sent in by Tony to um, the Facebook Uh, page, and as I said, you can find that in the description box, and he says something about my comments about Arthur Lee Allen. He says, Hi Ned, this is Tony. I'm a friend of Drew Beeson, and I'm a member of some of the Zodiac groups with you. I love your show, and I watch it all the time. I really like how you try to be objective. I also try, but don't succeed as well. However, I totally disagree with your take on Arthur Lee Allen. You said that Arthur Lee Allen was not a sociopath, but a narcissist. Allen is a total sociopath. He did keep little pets like squirrels and chipmunks because he loved them, but at the same time catching other little animals and killing them and cutting them up and putting them into his freezer. Could someone who loves animals do that? I think not. He pretended to love them in front of his friend, referring to Glenn Reinhardt. He kept them for the same reason all pedophiles do, to attract children. He got to know one of the young boys he molested through his little animals. After he molested the boy, he said, I know you don't like it, but I'm a nasty man. Sociopath. Also, if you watch him with the video of his dog, the dog looks apprehensive. Alan has to pull him up on his lap. A dog that loves you will run into your arms. You don't even have to ask twice. A dog is a perfect animal for a sociopath. They will stay loyal and obedient, even if abused. Lee Allen is your typical sociopath, and he has no redeeming qualities, except what he chose to show you and when he wanted to fool you. Anna, uh, Tony, thank you so much for the comment. Yes, I was talking about the prime suspect in the Zodiac Killer case, Arthur Lee Allen. While the Zodiac murders occurred in 1968 and 69, Arthur Lee Allen, who is the subject of Robert Graysmith's books, and the uh, David Fincher film from 2007 would encounter legal trouble later on in his life, particularly in the mid 1970s when he was sent to a Toscadero State Hospital because of his um, sexual offender behavior, sex offender behavior. And I made some comments last week talking about the dark triad traits Machiavellianism, psychopathy, and narcissism. Sociopathy, meaning factor two psychopathy, so those two can go together. And I made the bold statement that um, maybe Arthur Lee Allen was not a sociopath, but just a narcissist, because he definitely showed compassion toward animals. His friend Glenn Reinhart said that he was very caring toward chipmunks, and there's that video that you can watch of him on YouTube where he's with a dog. But um, you heard Tony's response. And believe it or not, I think that I'm going to admit that I was wrong, and uh, Tony's response sounds a lot more convincing, that he, um, no matter what he did with the animals, he could have, um been a sociopath because of the way he acted toward people, or that may have just been a facade for his own amusement. I mean, Tony makes a very convincing explanation there that this was all just about luring people in, and, I mean, especially if you have something just saying, like, I'm a nasty man, revealing his uh, true self to the victims, because I think that that's how The pop culture definitions of being a sociopath operate. And as I said, I heard it on a channel playing with fire. It's not clinical. It's not medical. But the way that the general public understands the terms like psychopath and sociopath, that YouTube channel was saying that a narcissist is somebody who does mean things and they believe that their mean behavior is justified. A sociopath is someone who does mean things, believes their behavior is justified, but they enjoy doing the mean things, and based on this definition uh, that I just um, stated there and the comments and stories that Tony has shared in this message, absolutely that would make Lee Allen sound like a sociopath, but there is a challenge question that has been put into um, this. Could someone who loves animals do that? Meaning at the same time he was catching other little animals, killing them, cutting them up, and putting them in his freezer. Could someone who loves little animals do that? Well, I've known lots of hunters who are also very passionate about their domestic pets, their cats and their dogs, or maybe they had uh, rabbits. And, I mean, lots of hunters also have pets at home. mean, when you look at some dogs, like Golden Retrievers or a Labrador Retriever, well, what are they retrieving? Like They are involved with hunting. And I once read an essay from somebody years ago talking about how animals are intertwined with human culture and he's not even talking about retrieving dogs but how dogs can also be used for tracking so I think lots of hunters um can be um, compassionate toward animals and yes they're also cutting them up and putting them in their freezers I mean talking about like a deer hunter or um maybe some people are into hunting turkey or squirrels rabbit but then they have other pets that they do not um want to uh, think about in that situation. But um, those things don't necessarily have to go hand in hand, but for the overwhelming majority of the part, I would say that I was wrong and Tony was right, and I don't do that nearly enough. So uh, congratulations, Tony. The next comment I have is one from Herman K that was sent into the email address, Radio at com, and it's talking about a recent book discussion that I did about Motor Spirit by Jared Kobach, and Jared Kobeck has two books out on the Zodiac Killer. One is Motor Spirit, which I've already read and responded to. And the second one is called How to Find Zodiac, which is here with me now. And I'm going to be not going um, to do an exact book discussion on this one as a standalone episode. Instead, with How to Find Zodiac, I'm going to incorporate some of the parts of Jared Kobeck's book into some of these Zodiac Killer news reports. So, I thought that this comment was a very good way to introduce the subject, because I oh, my overall conclusion of Motor Spirit, if you didn't hear my two-part book discussion, was it is a book that is written by a guy who maybe isn't the biggest expert in the world on the subject material. Not only the Zodiac Killer mystery, but also the entire true crime world. When he's discussing true crime cases, his understanding of the subjects appears to be very general, and he brings up Charles Manson a lot, and he also made a reference to the Slender Man attempted murder, and I call him out on that stuff in the book. So my conclusion was that there are several mistakes in Voter Spirit. There are actually numerous mistakes, things that are not completely correct. And also, if you've read several other Zodiac books, I don't think you will learn much from it. But to give credit to Jared Kobeck, he does tell the story in an entertaining way. It's something that we've heard a million times over and over again. The story of the Zodiac killer, this serial killer who not only committed murders in the 1960s, but also made phone calls and wrote letters and created the ciphers and Jarrett Kobeck does make some of his own original observations, but I don't necessarily think that the way he presents them in the book is the best way to do that. He could have just as easily written them out on a forum, and it would have had the same scholarly value. But he um he does put the story together in an entertaining way. And Herman K. asks me this question. Hey, hey Ned, totally enjoy the analysis on the book, Motor Spirit by Jared Kobeck. I think you were fair, but I was taken aback by what you said near the end of the episode, and this refers to something. This is a quote. Just because two teenagers, aged 17 and 16, were sitting alone in a car, it doesn't mean that they were doing any of the heavy petting the way that Jared Kobeck was talking about in the book. This is referring to um the Lake Herman Road murders, the murders of David Furday and Betty Lou Jensen, the first crime committed by the Zodiac killer. And then the comment continues by saying, Pure assumption on his part. So it was really quite shocking that you had the nerve to go and criticize other people for getting anything incorrect about the story when he openly fabricated details on his own. So, um, I mean, the point that I was trying to make was that in Motor Spirit, uh, Jared Kovac is saying some very graphic things about the activities that David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were doing. Before they were murdered, he said that they were down for some heavy petting using some flowery language. And my point was that there were no witnesses to the crime. How does he really know what they were doing? And why is he making any kind of graphic comments about people in their underwear and so on? But um, the, um, the comment in the email continues. How is this any different from... Other books where the author claims that there was no relationship or no teenage petting. Aren't both scenarios pure assumptions? How can we accuse Kobeck of openly fabricating details if no one knows whether the details are actually untrue in the first place? Not trying to split hairs, it's just that there are a finite set of facts that we are privy to. Everything else is pure speculation. Maybe it's because he wrote these details if they as if they did happen. I know Tom Voigt took great exception to this. I see why. And maybe that's your beef, too. Personally, I think Kobeck was simply creating a picture, or excuse me, painting a picture and creating a possible scenario in a situation where no one actually knows. And I don't think he's doing it cynically or to grab attention or to be deliberately provocative. It's just his style, which is perfectly fitting for the whole style of this particular book as a whole. When you look at it, it is not a Zodiac book per se, but rather a portrait of the times. That is a strength compared to other Zodiac books. Which leads me to another question, and this is a genuine question. Someone in a recent YouTube comment asked, which books would you recommend about the Zodiac Killer? And you included Ray Grant's book. I mean, that is so out there and so full of speculation and rabbit holes. I'm interested in why you had this one on the list. I know Ray Grant has researched the case extensively, but how can we benefit from this research, in my humble opinion? His conclusions lead to the construct of a story of such complexibility, complexity, excuse me, complexity that it strains credibility. I'll read that sentence one more time. His conclusions lead to the construct of such complexity that it strains credibility. Much respect, Ned, for the quality and quantity of your broadcasts. H.K. Herman, uh very um very much I appreciated that because these are um challenge questions that I can actually respond to. Number one though, why did I have some beef with the way he was talking about the Lake Herman Road murders? Because even if we don't know what happened, the burden of proof is always on the person who is making the claim, not people who are not putting an idea out there like when I, I know what Herman's trying to say. That if someone is just saying, maybe they were just sitting in the car talking, that is also an assumption. But one of them does not bring in all these very vivid details of sexual activity that um, was taking place. And I would disagree by saying he's not intentionally trying to be provocative. I think absolutely he tried to do that to be provocative And it's just my take on the subject. I'm not a psychic, but that's what I think he was trying to do. And here is another difference, though, between just trying to speculate about what happened with a crime and talking about victims being involved sexually when we didn't know what they were doing. That doesn't have anything to do with the murder, to the best of our knowledge. I mean, It has to do with the private lives of people who were innocently murdered, and I think that um, the graphic nature of what Kobeck was talking about is almost unfair to the victims. Now, there's another question here, though. Why did I recommend the book Zodiac Killer Solved by Ray Grant? Well, you can go to my book discussion about that, which I did last year on the channel, and it's called There Were Four Zodiacs, that's the title of the book discussion, and if you read Zodiac Killer Solve by Ray Grant, you will find that the chapters are arranged in two parts. One of them discusses the facts of the case, and it's giving commentary and making analytical statements about the material from the police reports, and I think that Ray Grant does that very well. That's why I recommended the book. Then the second parts of the chapters talk about his theorizing and hypothesizing and speculation. And that's the stuff that I think even you, Herman, would have somewhat of an issue with. I read Ray Grant's Zodiac Killer Solved almost immediately after reading Zodiac Killer Just the Facts when Tom Voigt presented the type versions of the police reports. So with all of that fresh in mind, I could really tell that Ray Grant had spent a lot of time with the police reports, and yes, Ray Grant's book came out well before Tom Void put the um, printed version, just the facts out. Ray Grant's book has been out for years, and I believe he's updated the versions. But I could tell that he was using real material, and he wasn't just making it up on his own. And when he's when he's giving commentary on on Zodiac material. I knew where it was coming from. And I mean, that's the very nature of commentary. He's talking about facts and he's responding to them. And I think he did that in a very good way. And I I think that most people who read the book would understand what I'm talking about, about how he separates factual statements and discussions and giving analyses versus his theory involving four participants. As I said, there are four participants in Ray Grant's theory, and they are referred to as the four Zodiacs in the book. They are Michael O'Hare, Gareth Penn, Hugh Penn, and Berta Margulies, one of the few theories that involves a woman. But um, yeah, I think the first part of the question could be summed up in perhaps a better way. Maybe it's inappropriate to reveal details about someone's private life when we have no idea what happened, and it's not even relevant to why they were murdered and to talk about two teenagers who were minors who were just kids and making sexual statements about them and I believe he did that purely to be provocative that's just my take on the subject and if anybody wants to dispute that you can do it in the comment section down below where you can send it to the email address the way that Herman did and maybe your comment will be featured in a future episode of Black Box Online Radio. Right now I would like to move on to the parts where I'll be discussing the book How to Find Zodiac by Jared Kobeck his other Zodiac book, which um, I'm still reading right now, and this is the book where he's actually going to get into his suspect, Paul Doerr, D-O-E-R-R, and a lot of people have requested episodes on Paul Doerr in some way, somehow, but first, as you can see from the cover of Jared Kobeck's book, he, um, he has a message written out, and it says, Dear Reader, this is not the Zodiac speaking. The one thing I ask of you is this. Read this book. It is called How to Find Zodiac. Being that this book is about the Zodiac, it offers a new suspect. The theory is probably correct. At the moment, the theory is unproven, but the idea is a bomb waiting to go massive. Can you see the flaws in the hunting method, or will you just agree and say, case closed? Either way, one thing is true. Zodiac can never look and seem the same after you read this book. It was written by Jared Kobeck cross-circle sign-off. And I would like to um look at some of the claims that Jarrett uh, Kobeck is making about the Zodiac Killer, as well as some details about his suspect, Paul Doerr. And I knew um very, very little about Paul um uh, before um reading this book, but it turns out Paul was a fan of the Lord of the Rings, as well as the Hobbit, yes, J.R.R. R. Tolkien, And um, I do not encounter that in the Zodiac mystery too much. But here is something interesting, though, about an old piece of text that was written by Paul Doerr. And it says, Doerr used the word cipher and code, and he spelled the word cipher C-Y-P-H-E-R. And this is very important because the Zodiac killer would mail in ciphers. The first was the 408 cipher that was mailed in July of 1969, then there was the 340 cipher, which was mailed in November of 69, and in 1970 there would be the uh, codes, the Z13 and the Z32. The Z13 is referred to as the My Name Is cipher, and the Z32 is the map code. But the uh, first two ciphers have been solved, the 408 and the 340, and the second two have not yet been solved. But um, I'll just read the full text. Dower used the words cipher, C-Y-P-H-E-R, and code, C-O-D-E. In each of the three letters, in July of 1969, the Zodiac wrote some variation of, I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In the August 4th, 1969 letter, the Zodiac wrote, By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? Across all letters, the word cipher was spelled C-I-P-H-E-R, the first instance of a word sp- of the word was actually spelled C Y I P H E R. This was the first composed Zodiac letter. This was the early days when Zodiac was working out his character and deciding how he would misspell certain words. Zodiac had written, "Here is a cipher," or "That is part of one," and then never used the Y again. Doer had spelled cipher C Y P H E R. There are two big pieces of information to discuss here. The first, I think you guys might notice, is a little bit more important, and that is that um, he says that the Zodiac misspellings are intentional, and this is all the persona that has been developed by somebody. But I would like to um, respond to the original point first, and that when I was reading that, I was like, what on earth are you talking about? I mean, the Zodiac spelled Cypher, C-I-P-H-E-R, and your suspect spells it C Y. P-H-E-R, and you think that's a clue? Um, and then, what, what, because there's a misspelling C-Y-I-P-H-E-R, that means anything? If anything, that should be a strike against Paul Dower of being the Zodiac killer. But I do agree with Jared Kopeck though, about this statement, that the Zodiac was most likely still thinking about how to develop his persona and the misspellings are intentional i have no idea what the zodiac killer was thinking back in 1969 but i do believe that the misspellings are and were intentional that this wasn't just somebody who had some type of um learning disability or some way like people have said oh maybe they had maybe he had adhd or dyslexia or he was just a really bad speller no i believe that they were intentional and he spelled words like christmas as christmass on purpose i mean that seems like a very deliberate misspelling and even in the jack the ripper case there are misspellings too so that could have been an inspiration however um i think that we have some disagreement about how there's anything significant in his suspect spelling words differently than the zodiac i mean if he did it the same way you'd have something to talk about Page thirty-two of the book, I encountered something a little bit more shocking, and that talks about not the first or second Zodiac crimes, but this is after the Zodiac has mailed in his cipher to the newspapers, as we said, July nineteen sixty-nine. Then, in August of nineteen sixty-nine, there's another letter that is um, received on August—no, um, mailed on August fourth. Excuse me, is the, the August fourth, nineteen sixty-nine letter? But then the Zodiac killer is going to. Changed a lot of things in September of 1969. First, he is going to start committing a crime by knife. He will wear his Lake Berryessa costume, the costume that has the Zodiac killer symbol on it. The Zodiac will attack the victims by knife instead of shooting them. And he will write a message on the car door at Lake Berryessa. When he stabbed the victims, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, Brian would survive the stabbing, and Cecilia would pass away two days later in the hospital. And Jared Kobeck's theory is that the Lake Berryessa costume was actually taken from a Renaissance fair. And um, I'll just read this from page 32 in the book. Kobeck thought of a lingering Zodiac mystery: Why had the killer dressed like a medieval executioner at Lake Berryessa? What if there were a practical reason for the hood, rather than the generally accepted idea that the garment was expressing a religious ethos? Kobeck decided to see if there were any Renaissance fairs around the september twenty seventh, nineteen sixty nine attack. And there was. The third annual Renaissance Pleasure and Fair and Haypenny Market was open every single weekend of september nineteen sixty nine, including the twenty seventh. It happened in San Rafael in Marin County, across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco, about an hour and a half drive from Lake Berryessa. the third annual Renaissance Pleasure Fair at Haypenny Market, where people would dress up in medieval garb and went for fun on the weekend. Other than the events hosted by the Society of Creative Anarchism, this was one place in the Bay Area where an individual could dress in an executioner's hood and not be taken for an LSD casualty. Is it possible that the Zodiac attended this fair, and if he did, was he in the hood? A Renaissance fair costume. I just, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. When I first read this, I was thinking, absolutely not. I really haven't been to too many Renaissance fairs, but mostly they um have more extravagant and intricate costumes than the executioner's hood that is worn at Lake Berryessa. I mean, if it is, if it is indeed an executioner's hood, we aren't really sure. And I don't necessarily think that um, this ties into a religious ethos. I think that um, the major theory that people have is that the Zodiac Killer was trying to recreate the character of the Lord High Executioner from the Mikado, an operetta by Gilbert and Sullivan. And people have variants of that particular theory that it came from some type of inspiration it was inspired by a work of literature, and the Zodiac talks a lot about comic books, and the Zodiac talks a lot about um, like other pieces of writing, books by famous authors, and his ideas aren't extremely original, and I'll talk about that later in the episode, but mostly it's that um, it was this from a Renaissance fair. I think the costume is a little bit plain, but... I mean, is he dressed like a medieval executioner? Could be, except for the fact that the Zodiac wore clip-on sunglasses at Lake Berryessa. That wouldn't fly on a medieval um, executioner's hood at a Renaissance fair. You think somebody might notice those. But um, I just, I would lean toward no, that that wasn't the inspiration for it, or that it wasn't worn at a fair in some way. But I suppose anything's possible, and... And I would like to move on to another part of the book here. This is on page 58, where Jared Kobeck will make another bold claim. And um, you guys can respond to these in the comments section down below. And Jared is providing his theory-slash-explanation about why the Zodiac Killer chose this symbol. Because the Zodiac has the circle with the cross going through it. Some people just simply refer to it as the crosshairs. Some people call it the flat-out Zodiac symbol. And I will just read from page 58. The symbol demonstrated the problem with the histories of the Zodiac. Once a thing happens, once it's documented, it seems like a part of a plan. But Zodiac was the same as anyone else. He was bedeviled by fuck-ups and indecisions and wrong turns. Kubek had a question. How does anyone know what the crosshairs meant to Zodiac? Um, my honest response is only if the uh, Zodiac told them and he was telling the truth. Again, we're not psychics. Well, uh, some people, like Max, who listen to this show, he, he is a psychic. But I am not a psychic. And I can't read the mind of this person that may or may not be alive. Now, you mean, like, how can people formulate a theory or a hypothesis? For some reason, I couldn't say that word. Hypothesis. There, I got it out that time. Well, they look at other pre-existing circles with crosses going through it and other similar symbols, and they tried to make some type of connection. It was answerable, and it could never be solved. Other than small circulation and Vallejo newspapers, the symbol wasn't reproduced in any contemporary reporting of, on the first three letters. No major Bay Area newspaper printed the Zodiac's crosshairs until October of 1969, by which point the killer had his trade name, He sent ciphers, he had worn the hood, he had gone to San Francisco and shot Paul Stein. The narrative is in place. The crosshairs are another piece of the story, but they predate everything except the cipher. Along with the slaves in the afterlife and the cryptography, they're one of the three elements present before the killer knows what to call himself. Zodiac went with whatever happened. Regardless of original intent, if a newspaper says that he committed a murder, he accepts it. The crosshairs became the zodiac symbol, and the zodiac goes with it, but when the symbol is first scrawled, it's not a zodiac symbol. There is no zodiac. The name zodiac is only chosen with the August 4th, 1969 letter. In the initial three letters, the ones with the first cipher, the crosshairs, is not the zodiac symbol because there is no zodiac. It's only crosshairs. Now that's um. That last uh, little paragraph there was a bit of a challenge to read. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't blame anyone, or I shouldn't criticize anyone. I couldn't even say the word hypothesis, but it's like, first there is no zodiac symbol, and the zodiac goes with it. But there is no symbol with the symbol is scrolled. It's not the zodiac symbol because there is no zodiac, and the zodiac name wasn't chosen yet. Because it's not the zodiac symbol, there was no zodiac. Yeah, okay. Uh, I sometimes tongue twisters are kind of fun. So, thank you, uh, Kobek, for that one. However, um. There obviously is a little bit of guesswork going on here by Jared Kobeck. And he, number one, he's making the assumption that the Zodiac didn't intend to announce himself as the Zodiac in the near future. Like, he hadn't decided until August of 1969 to call himself that. I don't know. I really don't. I would actually tend to think that Jared Kobeck is right about this. Even though I'm gonna be critical of some things, I'll give him credit where credit is due. I think that he's most likely right that the name Zodiac wasn't chosen yet. And I've talked very frequently about how the Zodiac Killer um most likely was choosing the name Z first, that the letter Z was chosen for a couple reasons. One of them is a story that was written by Edwin Baird called Sign Z that was published in 1921, and also I believe the Zodiac Killer was familiar with the murder of Sherry Jo Bates in 1966, that had three letters that were mailed after her crime, after her murder. They were actually mailed in the spring of 1967, and they said Bates had to die, there will be more signed with a Z. So I believe the letter Z was chosen, and in the killer's mind, and then The word Zodiac was put into place. But what is Jarrett Kobeck's explanation for the Zodiac symbol? He says, Kobeck had a standard policy. He always went for the shortest, least complicated route. In 1969, the shortest path to the crosshairs via anonymous letters are the Minutemen. And the Minutemen also published the ANFO formula. Traitors beware. So, I believe that Jared Kobeck is saying that the Minutemen have a similar symbol, and that's where this came from, and that the Zodiac symbol is actually the Minutemen symbol. And I explored this in the episode on Troy Howden, another Zodiac killer suspect with Minutemen connections. But I think we should read a little bit more in this book before we uh, close the door on Paul Doer. Because Paul Doerr is a suspect whom I really haven't talked about too much because he hasn't been mentioned so much in these parts of the book, or what really stands out are Kobeck's um, discussions on things like the origin of the Lake Berryessic costume, the origin of the Zodiac symbol. But I'll keep reading. Kobeck discovered the Minutemen through researching Paul Doerr. A friend suggested that he look through the online academic databases to see which... To, to which her university subscribed. He found one operated by Gilch Senage, C-E-N-A-G-E. It was called The Minutemen, 1961-1969, to 1969, Evolution of the Militia Movement in America, Part 1. Kobeck searched on what he had and became a default, Box 1444. When a pew was arrested in truth or consequences, the authority discovered a cache of documents. A name and number were found. The number atop was Doer's name and a Minuteman ID, a number that the group issued to its members. Once this ID once assigned this ID was expected to communicate through the A- proceeding. The ID number was Doer's Minuteman security classification. There were various levels, and um I think you had the idea that Paul Doer had real Minuteman connections. And I don't like this one at all. I do not um, agree with this. I do not believe that the Zodiac symbol was taken from the Minutemen. And number one, I don't think the Zodiac Killer was involved with any major level political activist group. Because I think that the activities of the Zodiac suggest that he was more of someone who created this on his own. That it's not even influenced by an organization and it's not influenced by someone who is a major member of an organization or any type of member of a criminal organization, organized crime, militia movements, terrorism. I mean, I don't even entertain the Thrill Kill Club theory anymore. I used to think about that a lot in the past, but that would be a little bit different than a movement like the Minutemen. A Thrill Kill Club would have four or five participants that planned the murders that took place in 68 and 69. Some people call that the Four Horsemen theory, that there was... um. One person who did the planning, but four people committed the crimes. As I said, Ray Grant's theory is a little bit similar to that, and even in in my episode is called There Were Four Zodiacs. His book is Zodiac Killer Solved. He's also the author of the novel Zodiac Killer Dreams. But let's look at some other possibilities as to where the Zodiac symbol could have come from, and what do you think? What makes sense to you? Drew Beeson, author of Citing In on the Zodiac Killer, as well as the host of the Zodcast, says very clearly, the shortest possible explanation is not the Minutemen. The symbol came from the Zodiac watches. The Zodiac, or Zodiac, was a brand of wristwatch, and that's the origin of it, and that's one of the few times when you see the word Zodiac written next to the Zodiac symbol, and I talked about Louis Myers at the beginning of the episode, and when I first learned about Louis Myers as a Zodiac suspect, his friend Randy Kenny was on TV, and he said that the Zodiac symbol is not a zodiac symbol, it's a Celtic cross, and I had two immediate responses, and I'm going to confess to you, it wasn't until like 2015 that I knew that that circle with a cross going through it is the zodiac symbol, outside of the zodiac killer mystery. Firstly, the watches, also some people talk about that with astrology, and when you look at um, astrological um designs, and recreations, and astrological charts, yes, they often use the zodiac symbol, and then, I mean, like, you can also weigh in what you think about uh, Randy Kenny's theory, that it is a Celtic cross, and because on um, his suspect, Louis Myers was uh, Scottish, I believe, actually, but um, my, Randy Kenny said he was very passionate about his heritage, so that's why the the symbol was chosen. There is another theory out there that it comes from the Unitarian Church, and I believe that is promoted by uh, Zepp, who runs the Zodiac Killer Identified um, page on YouTube. And he talked about his suspect, Don Harden, being involved with the Unitarian Church. I'm a little bit hazy on this exact detail, so don't quote me on this, but Don Hardin might have even been the president of his Unitarian Church. It's been a long time since I did that episode. But the point is that... There are other ways that this circle with the cross going through it could have um come to the Zodiac. My absolute first instinct when I saw this as a kid, like being eight or nine years old, watching America's Most Wanted on TV, I was like, oh, that looks like the sight from a gun. And so many people think that that's what it is, that that's like a gun sight and because the Zodiac's hunting people for sport, because that's what John Walsh told me when I was a kid about the Zodiac Killer, that the Zodiac was a serial killer who terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area, and he hunted people for sport. Now, um, I grew up with John Walsh. I would never turn my back on him, but the host of America's Most Wanted and a bazillion other programs on TV. But he even seems like someone who wasn't the biggest friend to the Zodiac killer mystery and involved with some disinfo. But I don't mean to go off on a giant tangent about that right now. Instead, I would focus more on the fact that, yes, hunting people for sport, you got a circle with a cross going through it. Put two and two together, it's the uh, sight from the scope of a gun. And that's what I thought. But you can always uh, share some things in the comments section down below. And um, they, they even find some more far-out uh, claims that Like, remember the uh, suspect I talked about from Germany named Henning Lagies, that um, someone said that he saw five whirlwinds touch down in a field of oats when he was a kid in 1946, and that he drew a pentagram from the five whirlwind touchdown sites, and then a circle goes around the pentagram, and then you draw a cross through the circle, and that allows him to um, have the zodiac symbol on top of a pentagram, and then he would have the sign of Gemini on one side, which I can only guess would mean the two twins. And then Hitler's sign would be on the other side. I don't even know what that means. And then this guy went a little bit crazy after that. And the theory is that he went on to become a serial killer in British Columbia in Canada. And I've talked a lot about Henning Lagis and some of the previous Zodiac Killer news reports. And I've also purchased Wolfgang Schindler's book, which has the testimony of testimony of Henning Loggies after he saw the, uh, five whirlwinds in the field of oats, and I don't see an ounce of, um, uh, anything that's actually suggesting that. I have no idea if this guy ever killed anybody, um, or he was ever a serial killer. It does not appear he was ever convicted of anything of the sort other than what I could find out about him, but that, that was somebody else's theory for why the zodiac symbol was chosen, because of a, um, Meteorological event tied into a bizarre symbology, what do you think you can put your idea in the comment section down below now, I would like to go to another comment that was left on a previous zodiac killer news report, and it 's actually from Ray Grant, just purely by coincidence. Somebody asked a question about Ray Grant, and I also wanted to read off this one because Ray Grant talked about making a list of the possible influences on the Zodiac Killer and um the but like the pieces of writing, the books, the movies, the works of literature. How could um how and why could all of this have been put together to create the Zodiac persona? And the list begins with, it would be helpful for someone to make a chronological list of possible Zodiac Killer influences. Let me start Jack the Ripper in 1888, the story Sign Z by Edwin Baird in 1921, the film Charlie Chan at Treasure Island, 1939, George Metesky, the Mad Bomber in 1940, the Lipstick Killer in 1945, the Texarkana Phantom, or the uh, the Moonlight Murders, that were committed in 1946, the Tim Holt comic book that was put out in 1952, the Domingos Edwards in 1963, and the Smidgens cartoon of 1970. Those are nine items that are on Ray Grant's list of possible influences of the Zodiac k- killer, or something that would have allowed this person to create the Zodiac killer persona. First, I really need to say that it's um, I think it's really good that someone else is in agreement with me that Jack the Ripper and the Phantom Killer were both inspirations for the Zodiac, because I think that those sets of crimes are so similar that we shouldn't ignore the similarities. I do not believe that it was coincidental. Do I believe that the New Orleans Axeman was an inspiration for the Zodiac? No, I do not. I'm not even sure if the Zodiac knew about the New Orleans Axeman. Very different set of crimes, and I'll talk about that in a future um, discussion. I don't know if I can keep going with the chronological arrangement that Ray Grant has very, very uh, well well done here, but I think that um, another one that could be a possible influence would be The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, particularly for the murder of Paul Stein on October 11th of 1969 and the mailing of the Zodiac Killers' Halloween card. I frequently cite the uh, channel Skating Crow Productions that did a video on that that was very convincing, even uh, tying into one line from The Wasteland that says, leaving a taxi throbbing and waiting, and, I mean, it really gets you curious about was that actually the reason why that crime is so different? After the Lake Berryessa stabbing, the Zodiac killer would murder a taxi driver named Paul Stein in Presidio Heights, San Francisco. Was he using the Wasteland as a playbook? I—I I mean, of course, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I would also throw in Red Rider as a possible inspiration for. The Zodiac Killer, the Red Rider symbol, is found on the Halloween card, or a very similar one is found on a Red Rider comic. But, um, I mean, we we would think that it's the same one, but there's always a chance. And I do also think that um, the Domingos-Edwards murders that are mentioned here on Brave Rant's list at number 8, that could have easily been an inspiration for the Zodiac for the following reason. The Domingo's Edwards murders were highly publicized. I even read off an article from 1964 that was talking about how there could be a connection between the Domingo's Edwards murders and the Swindle murders that were committed on, um, oh, was that February 5th of 1964 when Johnny Ray, Joyce, Johnny Ray and Joyce Swindle were gunned down by someone. Some people think that it was a Zodiac crime, others do not. If I had to make a decision now, I would say that both of those crimes are not. But the point is, they were discussed frequently, I repeat, frequently in the newspapers. And some person who is dealing with um, this plan for creating some type of homicidal masterpiece, for lack of a better term, terrible, terrible what he did, but in his mind, he probably thought it was a masterwork. Yeah, he's going to be stealing ideas from other people, particularly the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, in uh, 1966. Now, you may have noticed that um, Sherry Jo Bates is not on Ray Grant's list. Well, that's because he believes Sherry Jo Bates was a genuine Zodiac Killer victim, and you can read more about that in his book and listen to my book discussion here. Somebody asked a question, though, about a particular influence on the Zodiac Killer, and they wanted to know what I thought about that, or just um, posting it as a possibility. And that was... Was the Zodiac inspired by Zorro, the um, masked swordsman who uh, lives in California and um, tries to stand up for the people? And there was a response that came in from uh, Aaron Aragon that said no. And I really wasn't quite sure what to make of that. I really liked watching Zorro as a kid. And we even rented this uh, VHS tape that had Zorro the Animated Series on it from the video store and I loved watching it, but the VCR actually destroyed it. These the, the kids who grow up today will not know the struggles of having a VHS tape, and then your tape gets pulled into the VCR, and you can't watch the damn thing anymore. Oh my goodness. Remember, Be Kind, Please Rewind, all of that stuff. For a while, my family had um not only a VCR, but also just a VHS rewinder that was only for rewinding um, VHS tapes, well, I mean, that was just a different world. But yeah, Lost the Zorro cassette after only watching it like twice. Kids like to watch things over and over again. But that was um, the animated series from 1997, so I'm not going to lie to you guys, this was definitely an entertaining mental exercise, watching the TV show Zorro, which came out in 1957, and then aired, uh, until, until 1959, and you can watch this stuff on YouTube. There was also a show called, um, The Sign of Zorro, which came out in the early, uh, 19, um, no, that was in, oh, 1959 or 60, but then this, um, Episode that series of Zorro from the 50s was brought back in the 1960s for two years, and that was um, done in more like TV movies or they're like hour long specials. So Zorro is definitely around prior to the birth of the Zodiac Killer. And this would also be at a very pivotal time in this person's life. I mean, no matter what, eight years before becoming a serial killer, maybe um nine or ten years before becoming a serial killer. Is this just what was on the TV? Zorro's, of course, the guy that wears all black most of the time. And he is a swordsman, fencer. His name is Don Diego. And something interesting, though, about the... um version from 1957 was Zorro's uh, full name is Don Diego de la Vega, and that was um, actually chosen for the show, so it says here that um, it was the uh, first time that they presented him that way. Of course, Zorro is a much older story, but he is referred to as Don Diego in those episodes. Now, when I was watching this, is there anything that is actually Zodiac-related? And firstly, the letter Z, As I said, there's the story Signed Z by Edwin Baird. There is the Z on the Bates letters. Zorro does not sign with a circle and a cross. Zorro doesn't sign with a symbol. He signs with a letter Z. And um, that's different. However, there is something that stood out to me. And that is that Zorro says that He's going to um, use the Zorro persona to do the fighting, and during the daytime, he's just going to be Don Diego, the man of letters. So, like, he's going to be the man of letters during the daytime, and then he's going to be a fighter by night. And that definitely got me curious about the Zodiac, with someone or a lot of serial killers. I think could fall into that particular pathway. But, or you could put that type of label on them that they're just trying to present themselves as some sort of worldly well educated person. You read the stuff about Paul Doer and how to find Zodiac. It seems like he's a quirky far out guy. he's interested in lots of types of books and reading, but he's also a minute man, so that's something else and then there is um a villain in the Zorro series, somebody named Capitan Montessario who is a corrupt individual, a tyrant. I remember from watching the animated series as a kid that he just really liked to tax the people, and Zoro was fighting back because he thought that it was unjust, unfair, and perhaps that uh, the Capitan was taking advantage of everybody. So the other members of the Capitans, like Posse, like his, um, his underlings are members of law enforcement. I mean, that's what they are. And Zorro is fighting back against all these bumbling oafs who are members of law enforcement. And that also stood out as something that the Zodiac might be thinking about. Looking at the connections like the blue Meanies, or moving in on someone else's territory. Or how about mocking the police entirely? I mean, how about just committing murders and bragging about it because the police will never catch me because I've been too clever. Or, I mean, the Zodiac thought that he was clever, but he couldn't spell basic words, and you gotta wonder, what is this person actually doing? And I, I know what the Zodiac was doing. The Zodiac is trying to be very confusing in a particular way, so um, people won't figure out what he's doing. But I see a few possible um connections between Zorro and the Zodiac, but definitely not as many as what's on Ray Grant's list there. Like, you read the story Sign Z by Edwin Bird, you will see direct Zodiac connections. And I've read um the first half of that, and I'll respond to the second half uh, on next week's Zodiac Killer News Report, Sign Z by Edwin Bird. If you watch the movie Charlie Chan at Treasure Island, you will see direct connections to the Zodiac Killer mystery. There's even a character who's first introduced as Zodiac, and then they change the name to Dr. Zodiac, or they learn his full name. They learn that his name is actually Dr. Zodiac, but still very, very similar. But I do want to share one last thing with you guys. Uh, Zorro, Don Diego de la Vega, is in Madrid studying, and then he comes back to California and. They um, share the full name of Los Angeles. Did you guys know this? I'm sure some of you did. I did not know this, that the full name of Los Angeles is El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora Reina de Los Angeles sobre el río Porciuncula. Eighth grade Spanish right there. What the hell's a Porciuncula? But um, anyway, I didn't know that that name was uh, so big. With Zorro, though, he is a very popular figure and it wasn't just me watching that animated series on VHS back in the day there were um lots of people who talked about Zorro popular Halloween costume and Zorro is somebody that has rebirths and reboots they made um a movie shortly after my little Zorro experience with um, Antonio Banderas and even before that though like people were people thought that Zorro was a really cool um, fictional character, and, um, Homer Simpson had a Zorro phase for a while. He even got into dueling for a little bit, but, um, if anything, that shows you why try- trying to fight people is not going to work. But one last thing from the show Zorro is, Zorro means the fox in Spanish, and I can't roll my R's to it. El Zorro, si, senor, but, um, Zorro says that he's going to act like a fox because he thinks that the captain, Montessario, is acting like a lion, so this is going to be a conflict between the fox and the lion. And I also think that that sort of type of mental chess is something that the Zodiac would want to do, and he wants to be the sly fox type. It's possible, but the references are not very direct. Now, in conclusion, I would like to share something with you guys that I've discussed somewhat previously on the Zodiac Killer news reports. And I want to say it again because I found this video online from a channel called Internet Investigations. Beautiful name for a channel. And there were a couple ideas expressed. Number one, if you're going to call out somebody for being a fraud, do it frequently. Sometimes you even need to reiterate points that you've said previously, because you need to say it more than once. And several months ago, I did some episodes talking about people in the Zodiac world whom I thought were genuine scammers that were putting out ideas that they didn't believe because they wanted to either sell books for profit, or maybe it's also for fame, it's attention, a little bit of trolling, but mostly the for-profit angle that they are liars, and so to speak. And I want to be 100% clear about something. Even though I disagree with certain parts of Jarrett Kobeck's books, I do not think that he is a fraud. I do not think that he's a liar. He's not doing himself any favors saying "The, the theory is probably correct at the moment the theory is unproven, but the idea is a bomb waiting to go massive. That's not helping his case, and if anything, that makes him look like a grifter but no, I do not believe Jared Kobeck is a fraud. But the second idea that was expressed in that video from Internet Investigations was that some people on YouTube will talk about scammers, but they don't go very deep. What what the host was saying, and I don't know her name, but she said that she's reading up on Internet scammers, and she saw that A lot of the videos on YouTube are making fun of the scams, or they're talking about it in a lighthearted way, saying, oh yeah, this is really dumb. But they are getting to the deep, dark material that is involved with the malicious actions of the scammer. So, firstly, I called out several people by name in the past. The Case Breakers, who have put forward Gary Post as a Zodiac suspect. I don't believe that they had any evidence. I believe they took a very flimsy narrative and put it out there just for profit. I mean, just for fame and attention. I'm definitely going to be curious about Dale Julin's book Catching Zodiac that is going to come out soon. But Dale Julin was someone who ended up working with the founder of the Case Breakers, or not founder, the um, the um, leader of the Case Breakers, Tom Colbert. And I'm not quite sure if Dale Julin is an active participant in the fraud, or he's just being used as a useful individual. I w- There's a term out there called useful idiot, but I won't say that. A useful individual, because they benefit from his material, and he's kind of like a dupe, so to speak. No, but there there is a term out there called useful idiot, right? And it doesn't mean that someone is an actual idiot. I just think it comes across as a little bit misleading. When I think of the term useful idiot, I think of someone who's doing someone else's bidding, but they aren't aware of it. But the Casebreakers have only, or like in their press release that they shared with the public, they said that two lines on Gary Post's forehead match the composite sketches. They compared a human being to a cartoon, and they showed a shadow on the on a piece of wood, and I think that that is just absolute fraudulent behavior. The next one would be Gary Stewart, who wrote The Most Dangerous Animal of All, talked about Earl Van Best as the Zodiac Killer. It's not even an honest Zodiac book, 24 chapters in the book before he even mentions the Zodiac Killer. There are just a few things in the end. What Susan Mustafa, the co-writer, openly admitted that they just paraphrased the police reports. She said that on national television. It's not an honest attempt. Gary Stewart was also caught almost certainly fabricating documents, stating that Earl Van Best was at Atascadero Hospital at the same time as Arthur Lee Allen when they provided the originals in the FX uh, documentary, and it showed that that was an intentional fabrication on somebody's part. Maybe Gary Stewart, maybe somebody else. But that is genuine, fraudulent behavior. Another person would be Lyndon Lafferty, author of The Zodiac Killer Cover-Up, also known as The Silent Badge. And he wrote a book that was just filled with errors. And they're done in an intentional way because he tried to construct this theory that William Joseph Grant was the Zodiac Killer. And that he, um, he committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing on September 27th of 69, then abducted Donna Lass on Oct- on September 26th of 1970, and then committed the murder of Nancy Benelak on October 26th of 1970. And Donna Lass wasn't even abducted on September 26th. She was abducted on September 6th of 1970. Nancy Benelak may not even have been murdered on October 26th of 1970, she may have been murdered before midnight on October 25th, so this whole thing about it's commemorating the one-year anniversary and the 13-month anniversary and then mailing the Halloween card to Paul Avery the next day, that was all incorrect, and Lyndon Lafferty knew that it was incorrect. I mean, the Benelak murder, well, firstly, that's been solved now, and it was a different perpetrator. Not William Joseph Grant, but the second point, and the more important one is getting the date of Don Lass's disappearance off by twenty days and still presenting himself as an on-the-ground investigator who who followed these events for thirty-five years before writing the book. Gary Stewart, whatever he's some guy that was reading about his biological father and he stumbled upon his um well his crappy narrative, and he made it up quickly. The case breakers. Um they say they've spent seven years on their work. Okay, fine, let's let's give it to them seven years, not thirty-five years, not someone who was there when these events were happening, and then composed a book that also has the disclaimer on it that portions of it are fictional, which you can, which you'll find if you read Lyndon Lafferty's The Zodiac Killer cover up, also known as the Silenced Badge. And I think that it's just, it's not an honest attempt at a, Zodiac, at a Zodiac book. It is a novel. And something else, though, about, um, oh, another person we need to put on the list would be Dennis Kaufman, who brought Jack Torrance forward as a Zodiac suspect and spawned another wacky industry of somebody else saying that Jack Torrance is the Black Dahlia Avenger as well. Dennis Kaufman was the guy who said he found the Lake Berryessa hood in a, um, oh, it was a piece of audio equipment, and he found a knife that may have had blood on it, and he's trying to say that his um, stepfather, Jack Torrance, was the Zodiac Killer. He uh, had, again, a flimsy case, no substantial evidence, and I think what really ruined him was he posted photos of the crime scenes that he said Jack Torrance had, and they were just small, blurry images where no one could see anything. He lied, he made it up, and he didn't want to back down from it. Now, somebody like Jared Kobeck. alright, he's not a fraud, but Herman wrote something very interesting in that email when he said that this book would have been better if it had been about the current era, like, well, motor spirit, that is, not how to find Zodiac, but motor spirit, perhaps you could even use the term motor spirit as the negative vibes of the 1960s, the nasty vibes of the 1960s. Absolutely, yes. I mean... Herman and I might have a few disagreements. Motor Spirit would have been such a better book if it was just telling the story of the 1960s and 70s. the um, Maybe something about the transition from flower power to disco or something like that. And I think that that's really what Kobeck wanted to do. Much like how Gary Stewart wanted to write a book about his biological father, but then he had to make it Zodiac-related so it would sell, I think right, right? But um, you don't have to pay any money to listen to Black Box Online Radio. You can listen for free here. But if you do get YouTube Premium, you won't have to listen to any ads. I have YouTube Premium, and I love that. Other people on other channels are saying stuff in the comments section that they don't like watching the ads. I'm like, I know nothing about what you're talking about. I have YouTube Premium. I skip all of them. But with Kobeck's book, uh, Motor Spirit, I think that would have been difficult to market, and I call them out a lot for talking about irrelevant material in Motor Spirit, pages and pages about Charles Manson, as well as talking about the moon landing, but you have to give some leeway to that because, all right, those are happening in the 1960s. The stuff about Osama bin Laden? Nope. That is just unrelated material that is filled in the book, but, um... Yeah, I agree. If he wrote just um Motor Spirit, the story of the 60s, I think I would have liked his book a lot more. But then I probably wouldn't have found it. I mean, we're talking about Jared Kobeck now because he wrote two Zodiac Killer books. Another book that might go in that category is Profiled by Mark Hewitt because I even did an episode on this channel called Profile: the um, Psychology of Serial Killers and Mass Shooters. And the reason why I did that was because I was reading the um, first uh, 78 pages of profiled by Hewitt, and I mean it's not Zodiac related. It's just talking about serial killers as well as mass shooters, family annihilators, and criminals. And there were genuine ideas in there that I wanted to respond to, but again, for a book that is marketed as a Zodiac book, uh, Profile contains a lot of sections that are not Zodiac related. Just the basics of behavioral profiling, and I think that if that book had been presented as one that's just on the psychology of murderers, it would have succeeded more. But that means you'd have to cut down on the Zodiac material and then share more case examples. And um, which there's no shortage of serial killers in the world, sadly. But that's my take on the subject. And um, I want to be very clear: I do not call um Jarrett Kobach and Mark Hewitt frauds. They're not on that list. The four people I put. On that list, I said very clearly and gave some reasons. And you can share stuff in the comments section down below. Is there anybody whom you think is a genuine Zodiac Killer fraud? And by fraud, I don't mean just someone who wants to earn money from this. I mean, I don't mean even a grifter. I don't mean somebody that is trying to benefit from the case. And I mean someone who is blatantly lying because they want to sell books and get on TV and get attention. I mean someone who is genuinely being untruthful and saying things that they don't believe for a malicious reason, or for any reason to say things that you don't believe. If you'd like to challenge me on any of the points, you can put your ideas in the comment section down below. Anybody can write the show at at blackboxonlineradioideowell.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And I will see you over there on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Good. Bye.